What's up? It's Dave Rude from Tesla, and you're watching the Heavy Galaxy. All right, Matt and John, we're back with everyone for another episode of the Heavy Galaxy Show at heavygalaxy.com. We're glad to have everybody back with us once again. And if you haven't done so, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on YouTube and all the podcast platforms so you can get all our episodes right at your fingertips. And today's guest, we're going to go to our nation's capital here in the U.S. from D.C.'s heavy rock powerhouse trio, Baracho. We've got guitarist vocalist Steve Fisher with us today. What's up, Steve? Thanks for coming on and chatting with us today. How are you, bud? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Well, let's get to it, man. Baracho, you got the new record on the horizon, blurring the lines of reality. Uh, coming out, I mean, this is your guys' fifth record now. It comes out August 18th on Cosmic Artifacts. Uh, you've got two singles now out right now. Um, but before we get into talking about the music, I want everyone to take a look at that album cover artwork right there uh, for the record. Normally, I'd ask you who did this really cool artwork, but as I've I've seen there, you guys actually this is AI generated artwork. Uh, that's the first time I've seen one uh, from an album cover. Obviously, it's a hell of a cool album cover, so it definitely uh, did its job, man. So just I guess take us through the the whole I guess process, Steve, in terms of why you guys decided to use the AI with the cover art, and just kind of explain to it how it all works since it's something that a lot of us aren't really familiar with yet. Yeah, well. Um... I guess I started off with a conversation or practice one night and taking a break. And we're talking about how AI is you know, changing so many things. And uh, a good part of the album is, is about uh, social media and how computers are really, I don't sound like a conspiracy theorist, but kind of really taking over our lives. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. Social media and all that. Helping us form our opinions, uh, so yeah, just it kind of tied in with that the whole digital age, um, and so yeah, we, we uh, I was just kind of messing around. Tim, uh, you know, started messing around with AI and came up with several several different covers, and we thought it was a good direction to go in, kind of fit what we were doing for this album. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it definitely fits the the album title, obviously, the Boring the Lines of Reality. Yeah. Um, now, is this something, obviously, that you guys can then see yourself probably, you know, using going for? Because uh, there's also, um, and I'll bring it up in a little bit here, but you also, I believe, there's another image that was, I think, generated for the single. Is that correct, too? Or is it just for the album cover? Um, which For the last single. Oh, sorry. The, yeah, the last one. Um, uh, the, uh, I don't know. 
The goddess one. Um, Architects of Chaos. Burning the, the, uh, burning the goddess. Burning the goddess. You know, I don't think I've seen that. Oh, oh okay. Or, well, or I, I probably saw <laughs> it once ago, um, but I, I believe that's AI generated as well. Yeah. Okay. And then we had a single a couple of months ago, two instrumental tracks. That cover was also yeah. AI generated. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, well, I there's the. the kind of yeah. fun to mess around with yeah yeah sure there it is right there wow yeah. i mean really these are really cool i mean images though i mean i will say they're really uh it does the job it's it's like you said it's kind of you know i mean it's a whole other discussion <laughs> for another time we'll we'll, we'll, we'll skip that. yeah <laughs> you can go there i guess you could say that yeah but we'll we'll go back to talking about the music here uh so steve let's um talk about the first single now architects of chaos one that came out a little while ago uh, lyrically, obviously, focusing on the socio-political side of things that, you know, uh, you guys as a band have been, uh, you know, singing about for a while, uh, lyrically. It's also first of three connected tracks that actually uh, yeah. takes up a whole side of the record, I believe. So uh, so talk a bit, I guess, about the whole Architects of Chaos concept. And with now connecting those three tracks, was that something that you and you guys initially designed to do, or that just kind of come together when you were writing in the studio? Or um, talk about that it, a little bit. It was more uh, the, the music. Uh, some of the riffs are very similar. And I, you know, just writing this music, you know, you, you write music and you're like, well, that's kind of the same chord pattern as that other one, but it mm -hmm. sounds completely different. So that's where I kind of came up with the concept of a three part song. Okay. Um, and then. Uh, I don't know, the, the, lyrically, the concept, uh, just, you know, watching everything that's going on in this country and how we're so divided. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I hear the uh, one side uses the, uh, you know, the rallying call of uh, I will not comply. And the other side says resist. And they're the exact same fucking statements. <laughs> yeah. Someone's pushing, like, there's someone out there. It's <laughs> like, hey, man, these are great catchphrases. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to pit everyone else against each other. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they're going to be saying the same thing, but they're so wrapped up in whatever that they don't even realize they're saying the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. so there's, you know, there's, I'm not, don't believe in a conspiracy. But there are people out there that kind of push certain agendas. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, they want to stir the pot or whatever. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. but, um, I don't even know if that's conspiracy anymore. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what I mean? Saying, I, I don't think there's like a deep state or whatever. I mean, I have my own concepts about the deep state. But um, so these, whoever it is that pushes these agendas, yeah. and really divides the people by feeding them this exact same information, just worded differently, they're the architects of chaos. Mm. Right. It's, yeah, these are unknown people. Uh, but there is someone out there that is doing this. And, yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. people eat it up. They do. Everyone is Cheap. glued to their Facebook or their TikTok or whatever the fuck people are, you know. <laughs> Mm -hmm. People are glued to their social media yeah. and they seek out, first of all, they seek out the news they want to seek out, they, the news that they want to hear. Yeah. But then, you know, we have these algorithms that just kind of, oh, they like this, so we're going to push this. Mm -hmm. and 
people are no longer forming their own opinions. Yeah. Yep. And it's very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of where the whole concept came from. The, the music came first, and I, you know, um, but then the, the concept of, of the lyrics, uh, I decided to tie all three songs together lyrically, too. Well, the one right. you can't really understand because it's in Latin, but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> you wrote lyrics in Latin. Yes. Wow. Wow. You're you're one of the few people I know that actually used their Latin education. Oh, I have uh, no Latin education. <laughs> no, no Latin, Latin. You didn't take that that AP class in high school. No. Uh, <laughs> um, that was a. I had this idea for the song. Yeah. I don't think I quite uh, got onto tape exactly what I wanted. But I kind of heard this Gregorian chant and over the music. And so I'm like, oh, why don't I try writing it in Latin? And so there was, you know, it was hours, like, you know, finding phrases that kind of made sense that fit the, the narrative I wanted. And then, like, double checking everything, checking with my wife, whose mother spoke Latin. Uh, you know, wow. um, my wife was very good at. Uh, helping me make sure I'm making sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I just had this idea, oh, why don't I sing a song in Latin? It'd be kind of different. And, uh, it's certainly different, yeah. To me, it really does fit the music. Um, it it would have been easy to, to write, you know, the normal screaming or whatever, you know, well, yeah. whatever I do vocally, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I like to do different different things. Yeah, really dig. Speaking of different things, really dig the uh, first minute of Architects of Chaos. Really, a different flavor. Oh yeah. Now you kind of get the song going. I, I I love the whole song. So let, let me make that point. But it's I you know it's got a Middle Eastern obviously tinge in there. Uh, you know how did you how did who came up with that and how does the uh, how do you, how do three artists create something that unique and then put it into a good fuzzy heavy package like we like many of us want um you know i don't know it just happens you know mm -hmm. um that was you know i wrote that intro uh you know guitar and i mario and i got together one night when tim was out of town couldn't make rehearsal we just started jamming it and uh, it just kind of evolved and took on a life of its own. Mario worked really hard at, at working out the percussion and the drums. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always been into different kinds of music, but especially uh, when it comes to different at atmospheres. I mm -hmm. love Eastern music. I love the atmosphere uh, it creates. So I kind of knew I wanted to go for these sounds. Um, uh, you know, the percussion, the intro percussion, I have a set of tablas, which are Indian drums. Mm, nice, yeah. Mm. That uh, I took in the studio for Mario to play, and he did a great job. And I had, uh, you know, I had an electric 12 string that I just got, ran it through uh, electro harmonics, uh, sitar pedal, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, wow, okay. But yeah, just, uh, and then just layered all these guitars came up with that sound um, but yeah it's I've, I've always kind of uh 
I've always loved the Middle Eastern sound. And so, yeah, I, I kind of get influenced by everything I hear. Cool. It well, will you know, creep into my music one way or another.
and roll and heavy rock it's always been pretty open to that i mean we can go back to you know the cashmere or whatever yeah. um mm-hmm. a, an amazing band that that does music in a certain way that it just feels different they use greek instruments villagers of iona nina city if you haven't heard of them check them out they use actual old school greek instruments as part of it along with unbelievable guitar uh, mystical vocals and so on. It, it it's, it's it's interesting what can happen, and I think a lot of people like it, it within our underground scene. Now you live in in Washington D.C. Yeah. So you're living in a place that's got an amazing assortment of people living there too. So I could see where those influences would happen. How long have you lived in D.C.? Uh, I, myself, I'm a Northern Virginian, right outside of D.C. Grew up there for 23 years before heading south uh how long have you lived in the dc area um i've lived here now i've been here um just 31 years Jeez, wow. man, that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. i ended up here by chance um, um I, yeah. I was on a different path and uh uh someone had different plans for me and i just ended up here um, wow long story but i was living i was living in london 
uh, playing music there, and I got deported. And I had mm. <laughs> so I ended up on a friend's couch here. <laughs> yeah, right on. Right on. Yeah, I mean, you know, my musical background, we talked about different influences. I grew up in Africa. Oh, wow. And that's where I started playing music. So I was friends. Yeah. I grew up in Kenya. And I was friends with a lot of Kenyan musicians. Uh, I was actually in the first rock band that Kenya ever had. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> wow. And I was also wow, in the first that's awesome. band. <laughs> um, right. But so, you know, my influences are just all over the place. I grew up in the 70s, had older siblings. So it was always, you know, Led Zeppelin, Kiss, uh, you know, Hendrix, Sabbath, Deep Purple, all that stuff was my early uh, influences. But growing up overseas, just everything kind of, you know, I, I love different sounds. Uh, yeah. I, Did your uh, your dad work for the government? Uh, <laughs> he, he was a contractor with you. Mine did. So, huh? Yeah. He was a contractor with USAID. We're really not sure exactly what he did. He passed away in January and took a lot of secrets with him. Um, I know the feeling. We have no idea what my dad actually did. Okay. He, he worked yeah. in, I think, worked in over 100 countries, something like that. Wow. Oh, um, one of those even. Yeah. Yeah. My, I mean, my, uh, my, my dad passed away a couple years ago also, and he was CIA for 31, 32 years. Okay. And I really don't have any idea. Well, he told me, later on, he told me about satellites. So the early satellite stuff in the uh, 60s and 70s. But yeah, I mean, he wasn't out in the field. But my buddy's dad, he lived, uh, who was a son of a CIA, lived in Africa for a number of years early on in his life. So... Uh, it's interesting. That really yeah. gave you a, a different I mean, world. I don't know if my dad was CIA or not. I yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> my dad's dead, so I can say it now. I was even saying it the last 10 years because he's so old, he didn't know anything anyways. Like, you know what I mean? Things move so fast nowadays. It wasn't like he was involved with the Kennedys. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so you're in D.C. for that long. I mean, it's a fascinating – let's talk at least about – the rock and metal side of DC has quite a history, uh, and, and of course, punk as well. Did you were you ever privy to go to any cool shows and see some of these legacy bands, or were they kind of down and out by that time? Or like what bands? <laughs> Pentagram, The Obsessed. Oh yeah, well I mean, uh, uh, old friends with Wino. Uh, I know Bobby. Don't you know? Yeah. There, there's a history there that I'm not going to get into. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty tight knit scene. Yeah. Um, you know, I did, I wasn't around when the Obsessed had their initial run. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I didn't see Pentagram until sometime in the late 90s, I think. Clutch? Clutch, yeah. I mean, they were, yeah. they were around in the uh, early mid 90s when I was, you know, going to the clubs that they were playing at. Yeah. Um, 930 yeah. Club? Yeah, the old 930 Club. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, I, mean, I, I don't know the guys in Clutch. I think I met Neil once years ago at a recording studio. 
Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting little scene up there. And of course, you guys just recently played uh Doomfest, Maryland Doomfest. Yes, we did. So talk to us about how it was this year and uh how long was your set? Our set was it was only like 45 minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um we tend to pack a lot of music into short sets. Um, I, I, I'm a firm believer that no one wants to hear me talk on stage. So we just, I don't like breaking the song. Mm-hmm. I've given anyone the opportunity to go to the bathroom or the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, Mario and Tim hate me. They're like, whoa, we want to drink a beer. Like, yeah. You're like, keep pushing, keep pushing. <laughs> After the show. Come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it was a I think forty five minutes set. Um, it was it was we played the first night, and it was a good turnout. Um, you know, great to see old friends. Yeah, um, had a friend come over from Germany for the show. <laughs> oh wow! Um, yeah, uh, we had uh, yeah a lot of people traveled into town to see well not to just to see us but you know sure. come to the festival. Um, yeah, it's it's a good time. It's, it's kind of like a almost like a reunion. Um, as I said, yeah. we, we have a very kind of tight knit scene, mm-hmm. um, or there is a tight knit scene. I never really consider myself part of it, but I know everyone in the scene. Um, yeah, I know so it's it's just a you know it's like a big get together. Yeah, it's too bad uh, Dave Sherman wasn't around this year. He's always a fun yeah. one to have to party with and. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, certainly missed him. Uh, Such a super nice guy. Yeah, I, uh, I knew Sherman for years. Um, yeah. Uh, 26 years or something, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also the first time I have been to Doomfest since the last time I played, which uh, was when I was in a band with uh, Reverend Jim Forrester. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah, I was missing him too. I miss him every day. I mean, the guy was my yeah. father. Mm-hmm. But, uh, tragic, tragic death. Unnecessary yeah. tragic death again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, Baltimore is a damn dangerous place. city. It is. It is. And another person that was missing, a lot of people don't talk about, it, was Bruce Falkenberg, who was in The Hidden Hand. Um, oh. He was a bassist in The Hidden Hand with Wino. Uh, he passed away last summer. Mm. <clears throat> he was an old friend of mine. Uh, he owned a studio that my last band recorded several albums at. Uh, both Mario and Tim recorded with him. So it was kind of, yeah, a little depressing to be there as well, missing these three faces that mm-hmm. you know, yeah. was close with all of them. Mm-hmm. Like you said, yeah. it's such a tight you know, scene um, that you guys have really there. You know, I mean, like you said, it's got such a rich history. Too of, of really this heavy rock, you know, the this heavy rock sound, you know, it's, I mean, obviously there's a lot of metal that comes out of there, but like we've been talking about Pentagram and, and Obsessed and Clutch and, you know, these days you got obviously you guys, Freedom Hawk, Windhand. I mean, there's so many great bands just from the Virginia, D.C., Baltimore well, area, that's, you know? Yeah. No, 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 hold on. <laughs> yeah, well, Freedom Hawk is down at the beach. Okay. So that's Virginia. a couple hours away. Yeah, no. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying. Richmond. Yeah, I'm just saying. In, but I know but that area, Virginia and Maryland, 
uh, at Border States. Definitely, definitely a lot of stuff, uh, Matt. Arc is coming out of there. Yeah, for sure. Well, for years, it's been uh, coming out of there. I mean, that's the thing. Well, I mean, what what is it in your mind, Steve? That I mean, in your opinion, I should say, that really just ma- you know makes that such a hotbed for this kind of music. That area. Well, it's it's definitely not DC. Mm-hmm. DC is a weird environment for rock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, DC has a history of the, the hardcore punk, punk stuff, which yeah. is great. I mean, I, I love that stuff. I was friends mm-hmm. with all those guys too. Um, but DC was has never been a rock friendly city until recently. Mm-hmm. I played in a band for fourteen years in DC that was kind of shunned by the cool people. Mm. DC's just a, it's a weird at least it was a weird place you know back in the 90s yeah early 2000s you know, very pretentious mm. if you I mean I go you know a black cat is a, a great club um when it first opened I go there and you know it's kind of like a, the new guy in town and if I went there with someone that was deemed cool everyone would be my friend I'd go the next night and it'd be mm-hmm. all the same people, but I wouldn't be with the person that was cool. No one yeah. would me. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah, historically, it's a very pretentious city. It's, yeah. it's one of the reasons why I moved south is I just, uh, when I went to college, because I went to college at East Carolina University, which is in North Carolina, and I met other people. I almost, my eyes were open to a totally different kind of mindset. Like not as pretentious. I mean, it was it was very high stress where I grew up, as yeah. well. And, and that see or be seen, or you got to know someone kind of thing is uh, it's a little annoying to say the least. Yeah. Did you ever play the Bayou back in the day? I played the Bayou once, and it was my previous band. And one of the women that worked there for like years, she'd been there like twenty years. She like. Your guys are the loudest band that has ever played here. Wow. <laughs> um, if we played to an You're probably a lot louder than <laughs> a lot louder than when I saw Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> I saw I, I, I way back. I wouldn't admit that either. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I admit to my travels of music, of uh, the styles along the way, even though I liked Iron Maiden. Who do you love? This was something you back then that they were a little more underground, we'll say. Well, you know what? We talk about travels and music. What were your favorite bands or albums your senior year of high school? Well, um, I, I never made it to my senior year of high school. <laughs> so I can't right. really answer 86. that. Uh, 86. When I was in high school, um, Again, I, I had a, a very musical taste. Um, Maiden and ACDC were like on constant rotation. Um, yeah, I was a huge Handler Rocks fan, uh, Lords mm. of the New Church, uh, you know, a lot of punk, Dead Kennedys, uh, The Exploited. Uh, yeah, I listened to a lot of Merciful Fate, uh, <clears throat> you know, Metallica's first two albums. Uh, no, I guess first three albums, Master Puppets came out in 86. So I was 16 mm-hmm. in, in 86. So I actually saw Metallica on that tour in Denver oh, wow. nice. before Cliff Burton was killed. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, I mean, yeah, my musical taste is just all over the place. Let's do a lot of reggae. Uh, Peter mm-hmm. Tosh, Bob Marley. Yeah. You know, 
you know, just I'm all over the place. Yeah. I always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my first concert was the Beach Boys. Oh, very cool. Nice. That. My, my parents, yeah, they listened to, you know, in the early 60s, they'd go to coffee shops in Philadelphia and, and see like Bob Dylan and Joan Baez. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I grew up there constantly playing the Beatles, Beach Boys, uh, Bob Dylan, stuff like that. And yeah, then my siblings destroyed me by introducing me to, to stuff like Kiss. Um, Yay. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so like what I, what I was on rotation when I was in high school was just about everything. Um, yeah. You know, Generation X, uh, mm. The Who, Hendrix. Hendrix is always, that's like my one artist that I will, if I had to burn every one of my CDs or my records, the Hendrix stuff would have to stay. I would die mm. for that. So that's your that's your desert island yeah. record then. Got yeah. it. Um, classic stuff, man. So good. Yeah. So right. yeah, I mean I, I wish I could pick out like a couple of albums, but it's impossible. Mm-hmm. And you were catching shows back then too? Back right. in the in the eighties, were you catching a lot of concerts at all? Well, or living in Africa, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how much you got yeah. back, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, we'd come back here during the summer. Well, a couple of summers came back here, and like we'd lived in State College, Pennsylvania, just before moving overseas. Mm. So we'd always go back there, and there was, you know, it's college town. So there was a, yeah. the student mm-hmm. lounge. They had a, like a a stage there, and I'd go see bands there. I actually saw Dinosaur Junior there when they were called Dinosaur. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the summer times I backpacked through Europe when I was 16 and yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of money, but I, I caught a couple of festivals and oh, cool. yeah, I just soaked it all up. Nice. I bet. Yeah. And then when I moved to, to England, um, when I was 17, I dropped out of school and moved to England to play music and just like, man, <laughs> I was in heaven. I couldn't afford to go to most shows, but <laughs> I saw Guns N' Roses before they broke big. Um, some of the Hammersmith Odeon, they're still nobody at that point. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, living in London at the time was great. You know, go to go to the Marquee, see Lemmy hanging out at the bar. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Lemmy was all over the place back then when he still lived in England. Um, like if there was a bar, he'd be at it. It was crazy. But, uh, yeah, so like moving there, I, I went crazy going to shows when I could afford it. Um, yeah, cool. Very cool. All right, well, Steve, let's get into the second single. We kind of talked about it just uh, a little bit before. Uh, Burying the Goddess. Um, now, I mean, this just came out obviously a couple of days ago. It was just released. Now, normally, I mean, personally, like when I see a song that's like, you know, like this song, just under 13 minutes long. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you got to sort of like, all right, you got to prepare yourself for a bit of a journey on some of these songs. I mean, just in general, right? Yeah. But this track to me, I think, really signifies what, you know, what the band, what Baracho is is to a T, in my opinion. It's a long one, but, but it doesn't seem like it is. And, you know, in my opinion, I, I think it's the best track on the record, even though know, it is the longest, which is very rare for me. But, you know, um, 
I think it's because it really hones in on what you guys do so well, which is really just coming up with those, you know, two or three catchy, you know, riffs or hooks within your songs, those groovy hooks you have, and you guys just really let it ride. I mean, and it doesn't get old. I mean, that song could go 20 minutes long. I wouldn't get sick of it. I mean, it's just... You really, that's the one thing about, you know, you guys as a band is you guys really know, I you, you squeeze out every little juice out of those riffs and hooks that you guys got and you let it ride in the song. And I know, you know, sometimes bands, you know, they'll play a four minute song with a great hook, but they, I, I sometimes think they end it prematurely, you know, but you guys do the exact opposite. So when you're, you know, writing, I um, mean, is that really how you guys structure the songs in terms of, you know, how long it's going to be? I mean, when do you realize... Okay, you know we're we're, we're going to stop, or we're going to no. Let's just keep writing. I mean, how does that work when you guys come up uh, with some of these, you know, really solid long songs? Um, you know, I'm not really sure how to answer that. <laughs> um, I've always liked long songs. Um, like music has been my my drug. Well, you know, that's how I, you know, go out into space is listening to music. Um, so long songs have always appealed to me, uh, but. I like long songs that don't necessarily feel long. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll listen to, you know, have Pandora on or whatever, and a song will come on and I'll be like, man, the song is long. And I'll look at it and say, that was only four minutes. It seemed a lot longer. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I would rather, you know, I don't want to write a long song just for the sake of being long. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I want my music to, to actually say something. I'm not, you know, being a, a, a singer and a lyricist is kind of a new thing for me mm. i've always wanted my music to tell a story so okay it, you, you could you know my vision is you can follow the music and it'll take you on a, a ride somewhere um mm-hmm. so you're not necessarily you know focusing on how long the song is you're just enjoying the ride mm-hmm. um as far as writing on that particular track, I wrote that, you know, during lockdown. Um, so, you know, I wasn't seeing Mario or Tim. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just demoed it here in my basement and sent it to them. And it's it's uh, pretty much, you know, how I demoed it is, is pretty much how it came out on the record. Mm-hmm. I don't think we changed the arrangement much. Um, but, yeah, you know, writing is... Uh, it's a process that I try not to think about too much. Um, I think if you think about it too much, then it, it'll sound forced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, uh, I do like to have many parts within a song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I said, yeah, I don't, I don't want to think about it too much. I just want it to, to kind of come out. And, uh, you know, that's, how i write that's how we write and usually it, right i write the riffs so I'll, I'll take them into practice we'll jam them out we'll you know come up with arrangements and we'll rearrange everything a dozen times uh i'll add parts we'll decide some parts aren't working you know it's, it's a whole process but the thing is it's not we try not to overthink it it's mm-hmm. it's all about feel mm-hmm. um you know my whole approach to music is, is it's all about feel. I never learned, I've never had a lesson, uh, a guitar lesson. I can't read music. 
I learned how to play. I literally learned how to play on stage in clubs. I started playing music when I was 14. <laughs> started playing clubs when I was 14. And like learning how to play bass, watching my brother playing guitar on stage. Hmm. So it really became about feel for me. Um, so let's say that try not to overthink t- things too much. Mm-hmm. Just kind of flow. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the thing too, you know, I, I think on, you know, between these last two records now, you know, and I was talking to John about, you know, with, about this before you came on here. Um, I think you guys have really sort of, I mean, I would say, I don't want to say really found yourselves, but I think these last two records, you guys have really created sort of your own now sound, you know, where, I mean, you've got a lot of influences as you know, we've been talking about you're in, you know, you've got a lot of influences from all over the place, but there's not really with your guys' sounds. There's not really one influence that I think that stands out above any other, uh, especially when you know, like I said, what you do, what you've done on the new record. Obviously, as you said, you've been adding these Eastern influences as well into the songs. But like I said, I know the, the the last two records to me just seem a little less maybe fuzzy than the previous ones, and a bit more like crunchy and just obviously way more groovier and just yeah, kind of bluesier. And um, I just really feel like you guys have really now in these last two records have just like really created your own sound where it's, that's a, you know, Baracho sound. It's not like, Oh, well, it sounds like this band or that band. Would you agree to that? And if so, I mean, was that sort of intentional at all? Did you like what, cause we were talking about me and John was saying the last record, you know, was, was phenomenal. Um, and this one really just follows in the same footsteps you know, it, it, musically, in my opinion, obviously, but maybe with just some added elements uh, that we've been talking about, is that sort of intentional? And do you guys feel like, you know, okay, yeah, this is really who we are now, especially, you know, because now, especially that you're singing now, too, like you said, it's kind of fairly new to you as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I try, it's something I don't really think about. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to repeat what we already recorded mm-hmm. um but like i say i don't really think about these things too much okay it's all about you know just feel um yeah I, you know I, I can't really explain it um well you yeah, guys got uh, a cool unique okay. sound that's that everyone right. when people yeah. when we mm-hmm. when we try to describe you to others Thick. It's hard. It's hard. Rips. Fuzzy. I mean, no, thick. My, fuzzy. Powerful. My initial Those words goal, I use. My initial goal with this band was to I wanted to sound like if Black Sabbath was recording Pink Floyd songs. That was okay. my goal. Like okay, that's what I wanted. Okay. To um, but you know, um, <laughs> I don't. Know, we just write music. I will never hear the music the same way you guys hear it. So I can't, like to me, it's, yeah, there are different albums. They are, they sound different, you know, different grooves or whatever, but I don't really, um, I I don't know. Like when we recorded Pound of Flesh, by the time Mm -hmm. we're like wrapping up in the studio, I'm already focusing on the next album, you know, ideas coming up and just, you know, I kind of, get ahead of myself i guess um i i think i have like musical add 
Um, <laughs> like, you know, I'm okay. I'm tired of these songs. I got to move on and, and start writing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I like my influences. Everything I hear, I'm like, man, that's the greatest thing ever. I got to buy everything by that artist. And then I, mm-hmm. <laughs> 10 minutes later, I hear something else. I'm like, oh my God, that's the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a serious problem, actually. <laughs> you know, I bet. I bet. Um, but yeah, it's we- like, you know, trying to put too much thought into how our i mean i put a lot of a lot of thought into the production of the albums mm-hmm. i don't really like try to compare them at all i just you know it's it's what we do and i mean it's great that people are, you, you're digging what we're doing and you do see you hear a difference um i guess you hear either us settling into a certain groove or evolving in a certain way that's great i love to hear that because i have no idea whether it's happening <laughs> yeah i think production wise it does feel for me very similar and that's a good thing many the clean i i don't know what it is there's a certain sound cleanliness to it uh that just works so I, i'm a humongous uh, believer in all your stuff i've been listening you know even before uh riffography which you did with uh, Ripple, they kind of put together a bunch of your EPs together. Uh, that was some great ass stuff. Uh, me and my high school buddies have been listening to you, uh, you guys, since uh, we, you know, found you back in the 2000 teens. Uh, and we I brought it up to him the other day, and we'll get to why I brought it up to him in a little bit. Um, and when you played Maryland Doomfest, how did you determine your, your set list, old versus new? Are you anxious to mm. play the new stuff? Um, where it's predominantly that or well, a, a lot of it is we we look at how long our set is yeah and this is the one area we are very professional they you know we are on when they want us on and we're off when they want us off where there's no you know we're very professional about that um we pride ourselves on that um but yeah we just uh we figure out what songs will fit into a certain time frame and we discuss, you know, what kind of feel we're going for, for that show. Right. You know, do we want to do more spaced out stuff or we want to do more kind of straightforward rock? Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we've been varying the set a lot lately. So uh, we've been pulling out older songs, um, So which is, is fun, you know, it's great. Because yeah. I don't want to forget how to play all the old stuff. <laughs> but yeah it, it's uh, you know we we decide on the sets but like how it flows uh, what you know time slot we have and just you know what we want to play
before, you know, we were talking a little bit about Serpents of Secrecy, uh, you know, the band, obviously, with yeah. Jim Forrester. And, you know, and I, I actually had, um, I interviewed uh, when the album, last album came out, um, mm-hmm. Mark and Todd for that. And I remember it was a real, probably to this day, one of the, if not the most emotional, you know, interview I've ever done. Obviously, I know that that was a very, you know, they were telling me that it was such a cathartic thing just to get that record out because of, you know, uh, what happened. But, you know, I mean, and, and obviously we've, you know, like I said, Jim's obviously a legend in, in an area, in that area. And, it, you know, keeping his legacy, you know, going is, is always something that I think should be done uh, for, for, you know, for a guy like that and how important he was to the scene. But now in terms of the music, I mean, those, you know, records, that, that's some great music you guys put out. You know, unfortunately, I think sometimes that that kind of maybe got overlooked because of the, the tragedy and, and just what happened. And people maybe um, probably it just it got a kind of I don't want to say it was under the radar, but I just thought it should have gotten, you know, a little bit bigger than it oh. did. Obviously, I know you couldn't obviously tour for it or play for it or anything, too. That didn't help. But when you're writing, when you know, writing for Serpents of Secrecy compared to to. Uh, Baracho, I mean, wh- what's the difference, if any, um, between two those two bands? Well, the big difference is, is I those guys called me up and asked if I wanted to play with them, and so I joined the band. All that material was already written. Oh, okay. So I didn't really. I, I added yeah. my own flavor. You know, wrote my own guitar parts, but the songs were already written. Okay. Um. So. Yeah, I didn't really have much to do with that other than, you know, kind of adding my own twist to certain things in the studio. Mm. Okay. You guys play a few live shows? I'm sorry? Did you guys play some live shows? We played seven shows. Seven shows. Um, Northeast primarily or just D.C., Maryland? or um, Played Baltimore, D.C., and Frederick, I think. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a shame, you know, it was like uh, – it was a dream playing with Jim. Um, I've knew him. And the first time I met him was in '96, and uh, had just always admired his playing. And it turned out he was just a really awesome human being. Um, yeah. Such a sweetheart. And, um, it was a dream playing with Chuck as well. I've known Chuck for just as long. Um, yeah. And Todd's Todd's a great guy too. And then meeting Mark. Mark's just one of the funniest guys you could ever meet. Um, extremely talented vocalist. Yeah, great vocalist. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just I love those guys. It's just you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, some asshole decided to, to murder my friend. You know. Mm. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I was very uh, I felt very lucky to be asked to join that band. I mean, just the talent yeah. in that band. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I love the challenge, but I, I went in there going, "Man, I'm going to be able to keep up with these guys." <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it was a great experience. I'm sure, that was exciting. Sorry, um, I, I said I'm sure that was very exciting uh, for sure. Yeah. When when you think uh, for Baracho, have you ever done a tour? Or has it been years? I mean, the last real tour we did was uh, 2014 when we went to Europe. I uh, played played Desert Fest. Oh, uh, nice! And we toured for a couple of weeks, but uh, nothing, nothing too serious. I mean, we're all yeah. a little bit older. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I have a family. Those guys have careers. Mario has a family. Uh, you know, I my last band I toured a lot with. Um, so I've, I've done all that. I love it. But it's kind of gotten yeah. to the point where it costs a fortune to go on tour. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Mm. And uh, not, yeah. I shouldn't say no one wants to pay, but I mean, it, it's very hard to, to bring. Yeah. And, <laughs> it is. The numbers uh, are tough. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I was self employed for 11 years. Um, I had my own shop and I was the only person at that shop. So it was, you know, if I wanted to stay in business, I needed to be there. So mm. much harder to, to take off Tight. on tour. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, if the right opportunity came up, you know, I would jump at it. Uh, right. I, I miss touring. I love it. I used to live for it. Um, you know, if I didn't have my, my kids and my wife, I'd probably live on the road. Um, sure. You know, I'd be right there alongside Wino. <laughs> right. Probably not yeah. playing clubs as big as he's playing, but. You know. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. What What are some of the, your favorite bands that you've uh, done shows with over the years with Baracho? Oh, man. So, see there again, you know, I, I have this little, like, oh, my God, it's the greatest band ever. No, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Low Pan is just mm. uh, one of the most incredible bands um, yeah. and just incredible guys, too. Uh, I don't know. There's so many good bands that we've played with. It's, it's really hard to to say. Um, What's the biggest band you've played with? Uh, I guess Fu Manchu, probably. Um, That's cool. I guess I don't know. I don't really. Um, I don't know. I guess Elder's pretty big now, at least in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I mean, we played with the obsessed. No, that was Serpents played with the obsessed. We played with Spirit Caravan. Um, now I, I've played with almost every Wino project over the years. Um, right on. And I guess the obsessed is a pretty big deal now. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, they sound better than ever right now. He's really put a great lineup together and has another extra yeah. guitarist now. And uh, yeah. I had him yeah. last year for a Vegas Rock Revolution show, and uh, they sounded unbelievable. And they sounded uh, sounds like they're kicking a lot of ass right now. So yeah, it's good mean, to see yeah. Wino keeps pumping it, it, away. As far as I'm concerned, everything Wino touches is gold. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, he's he's got some great guys playing with him. Um, I've never met them, don't know him personally, but I know that uh, they certainly add to what he's doing. Yeah. But, you know, even if he's doing it on his own, he'd, it'd be gold. You know, what can I say? Oh, Quantum. he played a, um, he, yeah, he, he's unbelievable. Yeah. He played a, a solo acoustic for uh, Planet Desert Rock One. Yeah. Um, and it just captivated the room, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I used to, think of about wine i'm like man he's like a a mix between tony iomi lemmy and jeff beck and i'm yeah like, yeah it's pretty accurate but then it's not accurate at all because he's wino he's wino that's yeah. all yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 one of a kind yeah, yeah. I, I told him he's the johnny cash of doom 
Yeah. Uh, he loved yeah. that. <laughs> That's him, good. He oh, loved yeah. it. He's like, I'm like, the man. I, I just want briefly. Um, it's funny you say that. Just brought up a memory. Um, I was in a band briefly and we rehearsed in this house where Sherman lived. And right. <laughs> someone referred to Sherman as the Paris Hilton of doom. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> because, you know, he's just like everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, right. When Paris was like, you couldn't escape her, you know? Yeah. No one knew what the hell Paris did. She was nothing there. really. She didn't do nothing. Doing blow in Oh, well, there you go. But besides she that, nothing. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would be your dream tour, Steve? Um. Oh man. Uh huh. My dream tour, like if I could do whatever I wanted, um, I would love to go on the road with whatever wine I was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. And elder, mm. oh yeah, you know that those are great guys too. Uh, yeah, I've known them for quite a while. And uh, um, you know, when we played in Germany, Nick came out to see us, which was great. Um, but yeah, they're just a band that I, I really admire. They keep on evolving and doing different things, and. You know, they're just great musicians and, and, and totally. great guys, you know. It's, you know, I mean, to me, they're still kids. I met them when they were kids. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be a, that'd be a, musically, it'd be a, I think it'd be a great mix. Now, what if you were to look at the mega bands, you know, the, the big bands? What would be, and there's somehow or another, Someone hooks your music up with this band, and you're offered, and you don't even have to pay to play. <laughs> and you get to, you get to do a, at least part of a tour. What band would that be? Oh my god! Um, I know. See, man, you gotta ask these hard questions. Make me think. <laughs> I'm not, we're not generic here, man. Um, we're not taking it easy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What what comes to mind is like Metallica, but I really. I'm just not into what they do these days. Um, I, I guess ever since Cliff Burton died, I just kind of lost interest in what they were doing. I'm sure what they do is great. I just don't follow it. I mean, you yeah. talk about like mega bands. Like, who are the mega bands these days? Corrosion Informity? Maybe we could. Yeah, them. yeah, that would be. I mean, well, you said mega. I'm thinking like. Yeah, I know. Aiden, <laughs> I'd love to play with. Now you're struggling with it, so I thought I'd, you know. <laughs> Give you such a, yeah. yeah. Um, what a tool. Yeah, that could be cool. Um, I, I have some bad memories associated with tool. Nothing to do with them, but just some some bad memories. So it's it's really it's hard. Is it from the song? Sorry. Is it from the song "Hooker with a Penis"? Is that what's I'm sorry. Oh, no, from from what inspired that song? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a story uh, behind that. Yeah. Oh there yeah. Is. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, COC would be great. I'd love to play with them. Um, yeah, that'd be a good yeah, matchup. I'd love to play with uh, Fu Manchu again. Uh, oh yeah. You know, we played with them a couple of times. Really nice guys, but just uh, you know, I love that band. I've loved them since Old uh, Action Is Go came out. Mm-hmm. Bringing the riffs. Sorry? 
Just bring in the riffs. Bring in those riffs. Just yeah. I, I did an interview the other day with a, a British magazine, and I, and I actually referred to Fu Manchu as like the ACDC of Stoner Rock. Yeah, because I can see that. They are so good at what they do and simple, so consistent, mm-hmm. and you know exactly what you're getting with them, and it's brilliant. I mean, yeah, ACDC is is you know, yeah, I can't say a bad thing about ACDC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was actually in my teenage years. I was obsessed with ACDC. Um, which one so better like, for you? Which which, one uh, which vocalist for you better? Well, bon bon or Brian? Scott. Mm-hmm. Bon. Okay. Um, but you know, it's just they've stayed so consistent. They stayed true to the roots, and they were just consistent in putting out great music and Fu Manchu is the same way. Mm-hmm. They, um, I don't say they have a formula, but they don't, you know, you just know exactly what you're getting with them. Yeah. It's always great. Totally. Is, is that a philosophy you kind of use now with when you, when you're writing for Baracho? Cause you guys, it's kind of the same thing. You guys have, you're very consistent. You know what you're going to get with, with the band as well. When a new record comes out, is that something that maybe not, not maybe, you're purposely thinking that, but maybe just innately. Um, might I, I think we certainly have a style of writing that is um, consistent. I guess our work ethic is, is pretty consistent mm-hmm. on how we work in the studio. Um, yeah, I, like I said, it, it, I don't hear my music the same way that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, I never will be yeah. able to hear my music. <laughs> um, right, right. So it's 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 hard for me to to see, say sure. You know, are we consistent? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, so anyways, I referred to Fu Manchu as the ACDC of the Stoner Rock world. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty accurate. I, I, yeah, I would pretty fucking. I would agree with that. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And if they ever hear that, I mean that as the highest compliment. Uh, yeah. It's I don't think they'd be offended. To think about <laughs> I don't think so. Well, you yeah. know, it, it, they come from a, a probably a punk background. A lot of it. So remember, you, you remember back in the '80s, a lot—not everyone, but some people—metal or punk. You know, and I, I know a lot of mm. people in the stone rock scene that never liked metal. Period. Oh yes, a lot. Yeah, like like they're like anti-metal, and then mm-hmm. years later they're like, "Oh, Iron Maiden is pretty cool." <laughs> you know, yeah. Judas mm-hmm. Priest. Wow. Okay, I get it. You know what I mean? It's funny to watch people evolve. Even if you look at the band Caius, yep. Josh to this day swears until they recorded Into the Void that he had barely ever even heard a Black wow. Sabbath song in his life. Yeah. And he's just a few years probably younger than us at the most. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, because they wanted to listen to punk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, Brant was a little bit the same way for a while. Uh, yeah, also. the desert scene was very punk oriented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they said I mean, Nick. That, that really started to take. Believe it or not, liked Sabbath. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, dude, you go ahead. See, oh, so you know that that whole scene really kind of, you know, started to gain ground in the early '90s when, you know, metal had just become so cliche and so. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. more about fashion than actual music yeah but i i get where people were like shunned metal i mean yeah the majority of the bands getting airplay in the 80s 
did a huge disservice to metal. And they weren't late eighties in particular. They were pop bands. Yeah. 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 I mean, to, to the late eighties. Yeah. Yeah. To, to lump a band like Poison into metal is just, I mean, yeah. MTV. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. But so, you exactly. know, I think they were coming from a, you know, just a little bit behind us. So, like, you know, yep. we had the influence of the early 80s. You know, um, yeah. when metal was actually metal, um, yeah, mm -hmm. they kind of probably came of age when that was all going sideways and yeah. becoming more of a fashion show than anything. Yeah, and I can see where you know, I can see where people are like, yeah, I can't stand that stuff. Totally, mm -hmm. I, I MTV, I mean, MTV, I... yeah. Well, MTV was one of the biggest, greatest factors of metal but then yeah. the big labels decided we're gonna we're gonna cash in we're gonna broaden our audience by playing music that women are gonna like more which did all the fashion rock as you mentioned where guys mm -hmm. started look literally the guys wore more makeup than the fucking chicks in the audience a lot of times it was yeah. it just got ugly i mean I, every scene eventually becomes very formulaic and cliche yeah and unfortunately it's starting to happen to our scene right now you think so, huh? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone's mm. got to have. I think it's. Everyone's got to well, have. It depends. This on... amp. Everyone's got to have uh, mm. down to their belly. Everyone's got to, you know, it's a certain look. Mm. True. And everyone's got to do. Yeah, so, so. Like, I don't know. A lot of you know people are going for the same guitar tones, not finding their own way. Mm. And it's huh. not necessarily that. It's no fault of their own. I think, you know, every genre of music it starts off great and then the more momentum it gains, younger people get into it and they, you know, when you're young, you try to copy artists. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking about this the other day about how you know, I was asked about our sound and how we sound a lot cleaner than a lot of bands, which, okay, I don't don't really know, but I think it boils down to our influences versus you know these bands that are in their 20s their influences mm -hmm. so my influences are the same as you know i look at the the, the beginning of our scene there were four bands that really stuck out monster magnet caius fu manchu mm -hmm. um now those bands back then were you know nobody knew who sleep was caius was barely known um, but they all sounded very different, but they all had the same influences. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I come from that generation. I have the same influences they did. And so that kind of seeps into your music, your influences. So those bands went on and had success and gained this momentum and they've influenced these younger kids. What they're taking from it is not what we took from our influences. So they're going for a certain sound mm -hmm. and, and, you know, everyone wants to, you know, when you start off, you want to sound like Caius or whatever. And there's so many young people that want to follow that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. I was the same way. Um, you know, every musician's the same way. You start playing music, you want to sound exactly like your idol, but it's kind of gotten to the point where 
I think there is a lot of, I don't know, the, the scene is almost becoming a caricature of itself um, in a lot of ways. I don't want to put the scene down because I still love it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think you need to I hear more. I'm sorry? I think you need to hear more, Steve. I think you need to hear more music. Well, I'm just the man to help you with yeah, that. Maybe. <laughs> it, there's, there's, there's a ton of music out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe I there is. It. But, I mean, what I've seen is that there is a, you know, the, the beard is now the hair. Uh, I, you mentioned Elder. So Elder, for instance, is part of a movement I call the the new wave of heavy psych. And it's like, yeah. you know, a little more airy, a little more open. Like King Buffalo is in there as well. Um, all the witches. Like bands that have mm-hmm. elevated are like, you know, really playing in front of a lot of people now. But they don't necessarily draw upon, you know, Sabbath sleep. I mean, yeah. actually, I tell people when they say Sabbath, I'm like, well, Planet Caravan sure sounds a lot different than Supernaut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sabbath had that variety. And Caius, you got one inch man one minute, and you know, the next minute you got uh, <laughs> something very different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they, they had that certain sound of the, you know, the guitar tone, I think, really. And, it, you know, it distinctive vocals by Garcia. But you look around now, and, and, and that's part of, you know, our, our job that me and Matt do here. And then on another show is we try to, you know, expand the audience and expand people's knowledge of what's out there is not just, you know, the ones that are brought to the top automatically. Yeah. Um, well, I think about like, you know, like about a handful of years ago, like four years ago. So I, you know, I noticed, yeah, a lot of it was, everything was Sabbath oriented, you know, uh, driven. And it just, I, I started thinking, it's starting to get a little stale, but I have noticed like, like me and John just mentioned Last couple of years was, I think, just is my opinion, but we're seeing definitely more of a '90s influence, whether yeah. it's an alternative or you know influence or grunge influence. I think that's really starting to play, uh, really into the scene. And, and, and Steve, like you mentioned, obviously, yeah, that'll probably ride for the next couple of years or so, and then things will start probably becoming, you know, sort of homogenous and not really fresh, and then. Something else will come along to influence whatever it is, but yeah, I I, I can understand what you're saying. John just mentioned the heavy psych thing is really becoming the new uh, big, you know, sound with with some of the younger kids, like you said, in their twenties who are into this music. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's people every discovering goes, like, every genre goes through this phase. Yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. whether it yeah. does become a huge cliche or becomes yeah. so so much of a formula. Mm-hmm. If you can avoid that, then it, it it will evolve into a beautiful thing. Totally, totally. And, and I think it is fascinating, Steve, for, for guys like you and me, the same age, and Matt, pretty much the same as well. The 90s influence, I look at the 90s, I see that was the last great rock and roll generation that was allowed mm-hmm. to succeed yeah. in many ways. Like, literally, I don't even, you know, we were laughing about Hooting the Blowfish earlier, but, you know, literally you could have, have the Gin Blossoms or Hooting the Blowfish or Weezer, but then you had Helmet. Tool, Caius, mm-hmm. yeah. Monster Magnet, Crow's Conformity, you know, and there's a lot of music coming out that has some of the grunge-like tinges. Alice in Chains, yeah. another one in it comes, and even Nirvana. I, I'm hearing some seep into what I would call the heavy rock scene. Yeah, uh, which heavy rock expands a little bit bigger than stoner. Um, 
and there's bands utilizing some of the regular 90s rock we heard because they wrote fucking good songs yeah. back in the 90s. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like they're literally songs you remember and they have guitar that's turned up. <laughs> that's another thing I'm noticing on the you know, radio, which sometimes what little I listen to is, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they don't want the guitar up as loud anymore. I don't know why people are so scared. Yeah. Um, fuck know, it, it was it was the record labels deciding what was best for us, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. There's labels, they're, the, they're, they're the root of all evil in America. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that. And that's why we, we, you know, they control and put what the masses are hearing man and it's just uh it's why we've lost a lot of footing in rock and roll but yeah we, we try to help out along the way and we pick these things from all over the place the world is really putting out amazing music yeah uh, rock and roll wise nowadays are you any bands stuck out to you nowadays i'm sorry any bands sticking out to you nowadays um Besides older, you put him on the point on, on, on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm just the worst at this. Dude. To be honest, <laughs> the past few years I haven't really picked up a whole lot of new music. Um, yeah, unemployment being one of those factors, so you can't yeah. really afford to go out. I don't mm -hmm. believe in. I, I'm an album guy. I don't mm -hmm. like just picking yeah. single songs. I Singles. like the experience of an album. I want to hear yeah. where that Both. band's head was at that time. And that's, you know, I think, I believe an album tells a story. Um, so to me, like, I don't download songs off the internet. I just don't. I buy albums. Mm -hmm. That's the enjoyment I get from music, is listening to a whole experience. Mm -hmm. um, that's cool. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't picked up a whole lot of new stuff lately. Uh, a lot of what I really like are the smaller bands that we play with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, and that not becoming friends with, um, mm. you know, they, they'll pick up some stuff that you know. Like lately, I've been really getting into this band Glow Sun, and they don't exist anymore. They put out a couple of albums. They're from, they're from France, mm -hmm. and they're very uh, you know, psychedelic. Uh, just, uh, just incredible band. Um, when you can find their albums, they're very expensive. Mm. Um, yeah. Like, I've kind of been going back to some of my other roots lately. I've been listening to more punk rock than anything lately. Oh, okay. Interesting. So I kind of go in waves. Like I so said, I get influenced yeah. by here. Yeah. But I kind of have been digging backwards lately. I listen to a lot of The Damned, Killing Joke, Devo. Mm. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of New York Dolls. Oh, okay. So I really do. I'm all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Buster Poindexter, David Johansson. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I mm. should uh, really get out and discover new newer bands. Um, I mean, there's some younger bands, you know, in the DC area that I really like. Uh, there's there's these. They were kids at at the time. I think they're too young to drink. Uh, this band called the Druids. Mm. That were, I know there's Drew, mm -hmm. so I think from Texas, and this there's the Druids from DC. Yeah, great band, and they just kind of fell apart. I don't know what happened to them, but they're like, you know, mm -hmm. they're all young and they're just like 
very yeah. respectful. What's your take on on one of the most polarizing bands out there, and they're from Baltimore, is Turnstile. Have you heard of them at all? I am not familiar with them at all. Oh, interesting. Okay. I barely yeah. am myself, man. Okay. Well, check them out. I'm interested because it's it's a it's it's a very like I said, it's a very polarizing band. Um, you either love them or you hate them. It's one of those. And and they I think they were nominated even for a Grammy this year. So they're they're up there. Yeah. yeah so it's funny how the, the bands from Baltimore and DC that are nominated for Grammys and are huge elsewhere mm-hmm. are you never hear of them in DC and Baltimore. In the area. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like you said, and hopefully with, you know, um, because like you were saying, you know, you're not much of a singles guy. Um, and, and because we've got the revival of vinyl, you know, it, it is something that hopefully will get a lot of the, you know, some of these younger, you know, rock fans back into experiencing music the way we did, which was picking up that, you know, that album cover and reading the liner notes and just yeah. getting into the whole experience. Cause there is nothing like it, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, it is nothing. I think yeah. this younger generation is really missing out on an experience. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. music is to be experienced, not just. Yeah, I agree. To be, it's not yeah. to be listened to; it's to be experienced. Totally. That's how music is for me. It, mm-hmm. It's an experience. You know, I will. You know, every time I hear Voodoo Child, I will just like, you know, it's an experience to me. It's like the greatest things. I'm like a kid, it's like the first time I've heard it every time I hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, yeah, I mean, looking at liner notes, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't I think we've lost something in the digital age because everything's at our fingertips now. Yeah. Man, mm-hmm. yeah, when I was a kid, you had to uh, really, was, like, do research, you know, buy magazines. And, going record and, store hunts and, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you'd see an album cover and be like, that kind of looks cool. Um, I'll pick it up. I, exactly. Totally. That's Generation X for you. I think uh, I think there's a lot for these generations. Like we're such quiet. We're so quiet in some ways. Generation X. Obviously, I'm loud, so I speak for it. <laughs> no, but but you know, we're we're stuck between two really audaciously large and pushy generations. But X, we were the lucky ones. We had one foot in old school. Yeah. But yet we mm. ushered in every bit of technology imaginable. Um, and it, it, the process of listening to a, an album, dude, I even remember listening to a fucking eight track. My, sure. my mom and dad mm-hmm. had, a, had a Montgomery right. Ward eight track record tape AMF and thing for years. I even took it with me to college and I'd pop in the Bee Gees greatest hits and uh, have an impromptu. Uh, uh, <laughs> Disco party. My introduction. Again, maybe I shouldn't admit that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe I shouldn't admit that, right, Steve? That's what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, I didn't. I never got the uh, Village Beaver, Village Beaver's eight track. I never got that. So um, I can't say whether you missed out or not because I didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Oh sure. I'm trying to bust that story out now with you. I I was part of the Disco Sucks movement. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. That's, uh, I got sucked in at age seven to 11 or whatever the fuck it was. But man, after hearing Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, pretty much a whole lot of love. Um, Hendrix's, uh, Foxy Lady, 
I, those two songs just kind of changed my life. I, yeah. It just was like this wake-up call in the back of mom's car, just driving down the street to the store. I'm like, oh, this is the fucking weirdest thing I've ever heard, you know? And all once I wanted to hear it again. So it's we're all on this journey, and it, it, we we just hope that there's more and more people get back into rock and roll because they don't know that there's actually music out there being made for people like us, for Generation X. Two bands right now that have hit the charts, uh, Rival Sons and Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, those are, you know, and Queens of the Stone Age just blew up Glastonbury, uh, the festival there, and, and uh, many people think it's one of the best uh, outings of it. You know, their new album, it's, it's way better than the dance trash, in my opinion, that they put out last. And uh, it goes to some roots of rock, you know, and Rival Sons is firmly implanted on a 70s base of writing. And, uh, yeah, we get his only hope that, you know, people pay more attention to that. Hell, even the band Royal Blood, their latest song, is fucking rocking. Like, it's not, you know, overproducing sounds pussy-ish and everything else. It's moving and grooving along. So... All movements happen, but they don't always happen with a bunch of 40, 50 year old uh, generation X. Yeah. But luckily, uh, <laughs> luckily, others are listening yeah. some along the way. And when you got guys like Nick and those guys from Elder, which, you know, I've known him since, gosh, right around that time, I saw Elder open up with Spirit Caravan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with 20 man. people, you know. It, I almost uh, traveled to Ohio to see. Was Spirit Caravan, Elder, and Lopan. Woo! Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I just couldn't swing it. This a long drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. 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 That, that was like my dream show right now. No. Uh, that is amazing lineup. I saw the same lineup, but Moss Generator was on there instead. Most Generator. Our yeah. Moss Generator. I always messed it up, which is a very cool band. Moss Tony Man. Reed is yeah. an amazing Wait. musician. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, you ever been to Vegas? No, I haven't. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, looks like we're coming out. Baracho coming to Planet Desert Rock Weekend 4. This is the first soft announcement of a band I've really given. Uh, along with, well, Sasquatch we kind of talked about. Uh, and I'm really, really excited to have you guys and uh, handpick for a reason. We're going to have a good time. I hear I get you for a day. (laughs) Yeah. I'll come out and get you in all kinds of trouble. (laughs) That's good. We're going to fucking jail. No, 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 no. No, no, waiting, waiting cell, waiting cell. Uh, Thank you for bringing it up. No, no jail, Steve. Don't don't threaten me with a good time. Okay. I'll be, I'll behave myself. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah well you'll, you'll see you'll see it's a fun and cool vibe and uh the other bands we got coming we'll announce later are, are uh, all good time bands as well and i'm excited it's uh january 25th through 28th 2024 awesome. in las vegas and the two venues will be announced pretty pretty soon as well they're all high quality venues that we're gonna have good sound guys coming out the, just for the one guy in particular coming out for the show has done sound for uh all kinds of bands of our ilk all around the world. So really excited uh, to have Baracho come to Vegas. We're and uh, to do it. I'm going to show you a good time while you're here too, man. Okay. 
Yeah, you'll you'll you, see. You gonna get me thrown in jail? No, probably. Don't jump. The goal is, you know, hey, I kept Wino out of jail. Um, <laughs> he stayed with me in my condo for for uh, three days or four days. Um, he did wander to the streets. He did get go back to my condo, and for some reason or other, I even let him in the lobby. I was surprised, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> and uh, he said the only thing he, he was thinking about taking a piss somewhere once, and he was he got scared. Because he didn't want to get arrested. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Me and him spent a spent a few uh, a, a little bit of time together, get to know each other. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm getting. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. You know, I met Mario, God, number of months back or earlier yeah. this year or last year for a convention, and I got to hang out. And took him to Counts Vamped, and yeah, we partied up and. Uh, yeah, I think it's gonna. You'll you'll know some of the bands as well. I mean, obviously, you know Sasquatch. Probably at least know of them. Oh yeah, we, we played with them. And those guys throw down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and there's no yeah, shame. And with, I think um, they're one of the best bands. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, they played uh, Desert Fest London the same night we played. Oh, yeah. cool. That was the first time. I- yeah, they're. Yeah, and they're a band that that has some '90s influence on their sleeve for now a decade plus. Yeah, I, I told him the first time I heard him, I go, dude, kind of remind me a little bit of Chris Cornell thumbing vocals. And he's like, that's the biggest compliment you can give me. He goes, and yeah. he was a Garcia fan as well, you know. But you know, there's there's some good vocals in the '90s, and I think you're, I think the man, you, what you do as a total musician, it's it's smart, good shit, man. Like lyrically. Uh, your vocal tones and everything. I mean, you're not trying to sing like a bird, but we don't need it always that way. But you're not some grumbling, bumbling, screaming guy either. Well, because you want your lyrics I, heard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I have to say, I'm never happy with my vocals. I'm still trying to get used to being a singer. Mm-hmm. You figure after what four albums, I'd be used to it now, but. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Um, that's all right. Something I never intended to be. That's the same with Keith from Sasquatch. He said he got tired of the singers quitting, so he finally just stepped up the mic and tried it one time. Yeah. And this band said, okay, you're. I I just drew the short straw. That's how Mm, I. That was, yeah. (laughs) Come on, come on, put a mic over there for Mario on the drum kit. I would love to, man. He is so terrified of. I don't. He won't sing. He's just. But man, the band can bring the groove. Oh, yeah. uh, on this album, it's it's unmistakable uh, hearing his style in there. Uh, Mario's, you know, he's got a little Latin American kind of flavor going on there for good reason, obviously. And it just, uh, I think, it, you know, when it, it, this in this in this side of rock and roll, sometimes it's the attention to detail for for fans. To pay attention because if you go back to Black Sabbath, if you go back to Led Zeppelin, the reason why they were what they were, besides amazing songwriters and, and singers and whatever else, was they wrote songs where each instrument was heard yeah. and had yeah. parts to mm-hmm. it. And I think you, you guys uh, accomplished that. We, that's one of the reasons I switched to, I took up the vocal duties, is we could have added someone else to the mix and it would have changed what we do. No, yeah. well, could have changed the dynamics to where we would have broken up too, but <laughs> I think all three of us are key to the sound. 
we wouldn't say sound the same without Tim. We wouldn't sound the same without Mario. Um, you know, yeah. we're all very important uh, pieces of the puzzle. And, uh, that's the key. And I think that's that's rock and roll. Uh, you know, it's it's not yeah. about the fucking producer. You know, creating the right sound, putting the vocals at just this right thing that you'll never be able to duplicate live without bag of tracks. You know, yeah. that. I, the fake rock out there, and I live in one of the hubs of that here. Yeah. Um, oh, one of yeah. the top producers in all of like octane radio rock, as I call it, that heavy rock. Yeah, yeah, uh, or out of here, it's a father son combo. I mean, we're talking like so who's who of who is of who's done their sound and 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 their everything there and got it produced. And it's just uh, for me, it's cliche and it it runs a different rail. Um, I think there's the heavy rock that comes from the 70s, 90s influence, yeah. and it's a heavy rock that comes from new metal influence. And I think it's we couldn't be further away from each other at this point in time, kind of like our society. Except, you know, I just don't see the paths crossing anytime soon. Uh, but yeah. we'll throw a couple curveballs along the way. Planet is rock, uh, very possibly, but nothing too crazy. I'm not gonna have screamo in here. Sorry. <laughs> And speaking of, like, speaking of Lemmy there, Steve. Also, um, you know, I noticed your the way you sing with your mic, kind of up. Is that is that sort of uh, taken after what, what Lemmy, Lemmy um, style? Not really. Um, okay. It's. Uh, I mean, it wasn't uh, a conscious deliberate. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't deliberate to to try to be like Lemmy because mm -hmm. no one can be like Lemmy. Mm -hmm. um, it's more, uh, I'm actually an extremely shy person. So mm -hmm. I, if I'm singing to the ceiling, you have to look at the, I don't at the crowd. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, I don't have uh, to see other people's, you know, I don't have to see how people are reacting because mm -hmm. I always expect the worst. Mm -hmm. Um, so I could stand in front of you at the show and I'm a little taller, maybe. I don't even know how tall you are, but I'm taller than everyone, it seems. I could stand there and you would look up at me, you think, or would you close your eyes? <laughs> I just close my eyes. You know, most of the time I'm playing, I do have my eyes closed. Yeah, I get mm, it. Okay. Totally. Mm. Well, the problem with having no hair is I sweat and it goes right into my eyes. So I <laughs> kind of blinded. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's uh, Lemmy is a big influence on me, but that's not why it's, I mm. sing that way. It's mm. more. Uh, it's more to not restrict my my airflow. Yeah, I've um, heard that. Mm -hmm. But it's it's really, I think it boils down to the one I started playing music as a teenager, mm -hmm. and I sing backing vocals. I was very shy. Just shy, yeah. Okay. And, uh, I just uh, that's I just started doing that, and uh, you know, if people think I'm doing it because of Lemmy, that's fine. You know, I I love Lemmy. Motorhead, huge influence. I could actually got to jam with Lemmy's son once. Oh, cool! <laughs> yeah, back in actually wow. in, in Kenya. In the oh, 80s. wow! Really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah, he was there. What was? Yeah, I was gonna say, what is he doing in Kenya? Hey, he was there on his honeymoon. Oh, wow! Okay. And friends of mine were friends of his wife. Okay. Uh, probably, probably ex-wife now, I guess. But uh, uh, my band had a weekly. Uh, weekly show at the local casino mm -hmm. and uh 
he came down and got up and played a bunch of Stone songs with us. Oh, very nice. That's my claim to fame right there. <laughs> that guy, Lenny, didn't play with him. By his son. All <laughs> once the story's going to be repeated yeah, that yeah. Lemmy did that with you. It's, you know, that's the way it works. We, we, wait, wait, our our minds are disappearing. Son. Yeah. Let me play with my son. He's there only five go. years old. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, man, Steve, thank you so much for being on the Heavy Galaxy show with us it's been super cool to get to know you um yeah cool to get to know you and look forward to yeah. seeing you next january as well yeah and, dude, like the album things. rocks steve the album rocks it's got a place really well i would hope uh the upcoming uh no we already have doom charts but doom charts uh was it june or july when did you release the album's not out yet, so, not yet. is it august. july or august to coming out it's coming out in august, august. That's going to do really well. Hopefully. Uh, oh, yeah. For sure. It will. Well, I'm glad you like it. I, Which hope, is a good I hope others like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. We'll see. Where, yeah, where should, Steve, where should we send the listeners to, to to keep up with everything with the band? What's the best spot for them to go yeah. to? I, know, I guess you're not much of a social media guy, but. <laughs> see, th- this is why I shouldn't do interviews, because then you ask <laughs> questions like that, and I'm like, uh, 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 I don't know. <laughs> um so social media, you guys get all the social media spots. Everyone can check yeah, out the show, mean, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually uh, not very good with technology. And uh, <laughs> social media is, it's great to pin, pretend like I have friends, but, you know, it's mm. not really social. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I'd say, you know, Facebook, I guess, Instagram, one of those things. Bandcamp, so they can uh, listen yeah. to your music and potentially... Purchase yes. music. Yeah. That's key yeah. to a band as well. I see. I, I need Mario and Tim to at least give me a scripted part. You know, <laughs> that's all right. That's right. I, I'm here to pick yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. John's picking up here. Bandcamp, folks. They're on Spotify, of course. And uh, you know, Spotify listens. The more they get on playlists and everything else, uh, the higher up they get. And next, thing you know, who knows? But they're not getting paid much of anything. Uh, but if you go on Bandcamp. There's all kinds of goodies they have uh, in stock. So check that out. And, of course, Apple yeah. Music, all the other ones, they're all in there as well. Help us with our plans for world domination. There you go. It and needs to be funded. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, somehow or another, we got to blur the lines of reality to do that. Yes. yes. Well, in social media, you don't need, you know, you could just, you get the AI stuff anyway, right? Steve said, I'll help you out. You don't need to know, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And nowadays we're smoking a lot of weed, so anything helps. (laughs) Yeah, but you're you're in a legal place as well, right? DC's legal, right? Yeah, and and Maryland just became legal as well. Cool. Although I do not partake in that. Uh, Washington, well, Vegas is legal as well. Yeah. Uh, Nevada for, yeah, five, six years now. So that's right. You don't have to partake. It's not for everyone. I'll, I'll stick with my beer. There you go. Yeah, I know it's got good taste. Good. You got good taste right there. I like a good blue moon for sure. Well, man, yeah. enjoy the rest of that beer. We totally appreciate it, Steve. Absolutely. Folks, check out Borracho. Thanks for having me, guys. Anywhere you can. Yeah, man. Yeah, appreciate it, Steve. Thanks. Uh-huh.